no, 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 no. And welcome to Tech Moonshine, coming to you straight from a cabin in the Virginia woods. Tech Moonshine is the best place to learn about new technologies and how they might affect your life. Your hosts are both experienced technology professionals and, just like Quality Moonshine, they will give you the straight and unfiltered truth. My name is Sean Burns, and I'm proud to introduce the host of Tech Moonshine, Mike Rollins. And welcome to Tech Moonshine, where you will get 200 proof, honest truth, from a cabin in the Virginia woods. And Sean, I have bad news, buddy. You I always have bad, have bad, bad news. Basically, you are bad have, news Rollins. I have bad, 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 bad news. I think the popo are on to us. And <laughs> I think I think that they are looking at our emails. And I'm not 100% certain, but this could be bad. This could be really bad, Sean. And so in order to protect ourselves... We have brought in the security expert, Jesse Irwin, also known as Jesse Saurus Rex on Twitter to help us with our securities because we obviously are very insecure. You know, we don't even have a lock on the cabin door. Jesse, what do you think about that? Should we lock the cabin up? Should you breathe air to live? I was really hoping that you could help us with all the security stuff that Sean and I have neglected up until this point. And, you know, I'm really hoping that you could tell me it's not too late. Well, unfortunately, I am going to drop what we call an O-Day on you. O-Day. Yeah. Wait, 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 Sean, Sean, Sean. What is it time for? Jargon busting. Jargon busting. (laughs) Jesse. What is an O-Day? And by the way, you know, (laughs) I can think of many things that this stands for, but since this is a PG podcast, (laughs) I'm just, I'm going to let it go right there. So Jesse, what is an O-Day? So an O-Day. And is it short for O-Dayum? No, no, but we could use that actually. It could work. We could use that? Okay. So an O-Day is a security vulnerability that's lurking around in your system, whatever your system may be, uh, that you just don't know about. And when someone finds it and exploits it, you have absolutely zero days to fix it because it's just sitting there out in the wide open for someone to use against you. So we call those things O-Days? Yep. And I am going to drop one on you and you're not going to like it, guys. You should have thought Uh-oh. about your security from the very start when you got the whole moonshine thing going. Security is not something that works very well when you do it as an afterthought. You really have to start with it. But there are some things we can probably do to keep the popo out of your business. Okay, so here we are. We've got a lot of, well, a little bit of email because Sean, let's be honest, he doesn't, he doesn't write very well. Um, I need to keep track of my stories. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a combination between backwoods hictum and teen texting speak. But Snapchat. You, can, you, can kind of, you can kind of sometimes make out what Sean is trying to write to you. Um, me, on the other hand, I'm very eloquent and write back in long paragraphs and sentences. Um, so, you know, where, where should we start? Where, where's, what's the first thing we should do? Well, if email is your primary way of communicating with each other, or that's where all of your really important information is, 
the first thing you need to make sure that you do, and this is really simple, it's Security 101, make sure that you have a strong password. So guys, moonshine with two zeros instead of O's is not gonna do it. Technically, my, my, my password is actually the little moon emoticon. I don't know. I thought that would be pretty clever. So, <laughs> I mean, there are quite With a the, few moons. Is, the moon, is, it, is it the moon and the sun emoticon together? Moonshine? Uh, no, I'm kind of lazy, so I just wanted it to be one. It means that I can't, I can't just, log okay. on, in on most computers that don't have emojis installed, though. That's hard. That's oh, hard. Yeah. that sounds like OPSEC. He's getting a little advanced with this. But He's the getting first advanced. Thing, the first thing you got to do is you have to make sure that you are using a password. And it can't be a password that you use anywhere else on the planet. It has to be a unique password. And if you really want to be smart about it, it should probably be made out of stuff that's letters and numbers that are totally random. And not words that you like. So Hot Cheetos, not going to work. Sorry, dudes. What about hot Doritos? I mean, you could probably find those words on an internet dictionary somewhere, so it's not going to help you very much. But you should eat them. They are good. Luckily, hot luck- Doritos are very good. <laughs> Luckily, my password being 12345 is the same code I use on my luggage, so that way I never forget it. And your bank pin. Uh, Don't forget that. <laughs> That's how wait, How do you know? Oh my gosh. Because... So hold on. So we can get into his luggage and steal his hot Doritos. We can get into his bank and get the proceeds of all the things that we're doing. So he's cut out of all the profits. We can get into his email and figure out what else is going. I mean, you really should think about this because once we get that one, two, three, four, five, six, we really get everything. Wait, has Sean been pwned? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a high you don't even know yeah. that this is really it, me. It could be somebody else. And we... Where's that jargon thing we're supposed to do? Jargon yes. busting. Oh, jargon busting. So, Jesse, what is pwned? It's that thing that happens when somebody completely and totally takes over your thing on the internet or on your computer. So, if they pwn your Twitter account, that means that they took over control of it. If they pwn your bank account, you're never going to see your money again unless you got a really good bank. But if they take over your bill pay so, system, does that mean they pay your bills for you? I mean, technically it's possible, but I haven't really heard of these benevolent hacker dudes. And quite <laughs> frankly, if they exist, they need to motivate themselves to get started hacking at student loans. Well, because I, what what the hell with these guys in the airplanes? Like, why are we hacking airplanes when literally, like, you could just alleviate student debt? I'm sure that a really simple table dump would do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Totally. Little Johnny Tables. Little Johnny Tables. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. Mike, it's time for punchline busting. Why Why is that funny, Mike? Why is saying Johnny Tables have you giggling like a school girl? So, so um, there, there is – was this uh, – where did this come from? XKCD. XKCD. So um, XKCD – has a, a, a comic. We'll have to dig it up and put it in the show notes if I decide I'm going to do show notes. I will hopefully do show notes this time. Um, XKCD has a comic where the principal is calling the mother and is asking the mom, uh, what is the name of your son? And the mom replies, well, yes, we call him Little Johnny. What is it? Little Johnny Tables. Uh, anyways, it, it's, a, it's a, a sequel exploit where you can insert sequel 
into some random field. It doesn't get filtered out. It doesn't get broken up and it goes directly into a SQL query. It's called a SQL injection attack. And at that point, you pretty much have pwned because we've already decided that pwn is a, is a bad thing. You have pwned the database and you now control it and you could in fact drop all the tables in it, which is why we call them little Johnny tables. Exactly. So Mike, actually this brings us to an important philosophical question about security. So uh, why do security holes exist in the first place? So let's say that we choose, we, we, we take Jesse's advice, we have strong passwords, we're very diligent, we don't tell anybody what they are, and we only write them on sticky notes that we attach to our monitor of our computer, and that's the only place we write them down, so they're very secure. But, but these security holes, why do they exist? Why is there such thing as a SQL injection attack? And why is it that, you know, PHP is full of more security holes than Swiss cheese? Like, why do these things exist? Why don't we just filter them out when we're writing the software? Well, Sean, you probably are overlooking the fact that most people are innately lazy, lazy and are also not completely informed. And when you have somebody who is both ignorant and lazy, uh, they don't write good software. Now, wait a minute. There's this myth out there on the planet that every security uh -huh. vulnerability are ever... Are we myth-busting now? Oh, we are myth-busting. Every security developer Hold ever on, I think that's copyrighted. is in charge of being the person who implemented the security bug. And actually, that's not quite how that happens. When you're building software, especially in teams, you have a lot of different people working with a lot of different moving parts. And sometimes you get these really crazy, insane O-days, that thing we talked about dropping, as kind of a byproduct of the software development process and not just one or two people being super lazy and not closing a database correctly or making sure that they've taken care of a tag. Sometimes it's just a thing that happens by complete accident because of the way that the process works. And actually, to, to justify that, I, I if you're familiar with WordPress, it's a very popular software on the internet for publishing blogs. I met a company recently whose entire site was completely pwned, and basically there was a bug in WordPress where if you clicked on the upload image, there was an upload image feature that you could actually upload, not an image, but a source code that executed to let you take over the server. And which is the oh most, you imagine this developer is sitting there with he, and his job is to implement image uploading. And he didn't even think that he should test, you know, uploading of actual binary compressed code files that would automatically execute in the server and stuff. And so it is true. And these things exist out there every day. And, and uh, I think that we often, you know, point fingers where they don't belong. I mean, who would have thought that, that an, an issue might exist there? And in fact, if you were worried about that, you may never write a line of code in your entire life. And so I think that that's 100% true. Yet still, these security holes exist. And so then that brings up the follow-up question, why don't we just plug them all? If we can't keep them from existing, why don't we just plug the holes in the dike? Well, have you ever heard of the boy who put his finger in the dike? In any time now, folks. Silence. Everybody, quick, not all at once. Don't just, yeah, you guys, shh, shh, let me tell this. My God, what is wrong with you people? Jeez. So there's some, I don't know, there's something about a boy that put his finger in the dike and he tried to hold the dike shut, but then more holes showed up and he ran out of fingers and then he used his toes and eventually the dike collapsed on him and he drowned. And so that is what happens when you try to plug the security holes, you drown under the dike. That made no sense, but that's uh, totally okay. <laughs> but so... Well, I think... <laughs> 
I think the other way of looking at it is with security, you can work on patches that take care of each of these issues, but what ends up happening is you end up with a bunch of patches that maybe don't last as long as they should. Or for some reason, they work for a little bit, but then they just basically fall off and you have a much bigger hole to take care of when they all start wearing out. So ultimately, you end up with this ugly thing called technical debt, which is complicated and gross and scary and is just as awful as student debt, but worse because it's in your computer and you can't see it and you don't know what's happening to you. But if you try to patch them all, there are more that are just going to be there. Nothing's perfect. It's, it's no different than thinking of all of the decisions that you have to make when you're building a piece of architecture or you are building a house. Same thing. There are all kinds of opportunities for something to go wrong throughout the development process. It's not just the code. It's the design. It's, it's maybe the product concept. Maybe something even worse than that. Maybe you picked a really, really awful language. Maybe you thought it was a good idea to write Instagram in libpurple. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> So uh, that's, you know, that's really it, funny, it, it, and it, I, it, I won't even attempt to jargon bust that, but that was hilarious if you weren't familiar with what she just said. I actually am not, and I'm feeling kind of left out and sad. Technically, libpearl is code for making fun of Mike, so that's 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 how that translates. <laughs> it's basically the worst language ever and the most insecure. It's the worst. Okay. Like, was Instagram written in it? No, God, no, God, no. I'm just saying that somebody could oh, decide okay. to take something like an Instagram and write it in a completely and totally awful, insecure Or, or Mike, language. for example, they could do Facebook in PHP. I mean, hypothetically speaking. I mean, nobody would ever, ever do that for real. That's... But <laughs> If anybody's familiar, Man, Facebook happen. is written in PHP, which I, I have no respect for as a, as a technologist. PHP is dirty. So, so Jesse, a question for you. We have... We read now every day about major retail chains that have lost all of our credit card information to the hackers. And all we were doing the was hackers. trying to shop. All we were doing is trying to buy things in these, these stores. And somehow they absconded with all our credit card uh, information. How do these things happen? These are big, powerful corporations with hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. How do people just walk away with our information from them? Well, there are lots of ways that this kind of thing can happen. But I think the most helpful way to look at it is to think about what you actually have to do if you want to be an effective hacker. So to be effective at stealing data and hacking something, you don't have to have an entire army of a whole bunch of super technically elite dudes there who are breaking through and brute forcing into code. What you it could be technically elite dudettes, though. Let's just be honest. Sure, sure. I usually say dudes because I just have this nasty image of the cyber army, and they all look like monsters, like stomping through with their NSA uniforms on. I can't help it. But in general, uh-oh, he's got the hoodie out. Wait, do we have a hacker, like, face mask? Why did we not plan this better? <laughs> but For those of you that cannot see, I put my hoodie up so that I could look like one of the hacker dudes in the hacker army that's evil. Sean now has his hood on Wait, and he no. turned his light out. <laughs> Jesse does not have a hacker dude hood. Yes, I do. Though I've she's got a reaching white behind hat. her. Oh, she's got a white hat I've hacker, white hacker hood. hood. Though being you a can tell we're all wearing, actual no, hackers just, because we're wearing hoodies and that if you've ever watched the movies yes. or any sort of television hackers show wear hoodies. That's right. Yes. Also uh, yes. Mike and I are, are completely unclean shaven. We clearly haven't shaved in many days. 
and we obviously look like we're angry at the world uh the stereotypes that hollywood is telling us to hacker dudes showering is optional and we we have officially pulled up uh, a command prompt and we're typing echo into it as part of our hacking if we're really true to the movies are you using totally. are you totally. using nmap because trinity uses nmap she does actually that was legit in matrix uh she actually did use some some real techniques and that's uh very encouraging for the future of hollywood but anyway we interrupted our uh, we're at target yes. and target is 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 selling i don't know they're just losing and maybe it's leaking out the sides of target how is our information getting to hackers Target. well so usually what happens is instead of there being some massive technical operation that involves 85 nation states and half of the un member countries you have a group of people who decide that they're going to figure out a way to get into a corporation. And it can be as few as four or five people who say, hmm, there's got to be a way in here. And when you're looking at a big, huge, major company like a Target, you have the whole concept of supply chains. So people get the things that they sell to you and they get your money through all of these different systems. You have to go through payment cards and you have to go through point of sale systems and all of this other technology stuff so that your transaction actually passes through the system and you can get all of those hot Doritos that you really wanted while they were on sale at Target. (laughs) So what tends to happen is the attackers say, okay, what's the weakest point in the system that we can go after? And in the case of someone like Target, when you want money and you know the way to get the money could be either to steal it from Target, but getting into their bank account is hard. You can say, well, they take money. Now, how do we get the information? How do we get all of the card numbers where that money comes from? Let's get that and go sell it on a black market somewhere until it takes a little bit longer than the authorities would like for them to figure out what happened. Does that make sense? It does, and it's very it scary because so it made too much sense. It almost makes it seem like... It almost makes it seem like I could do it. Well, then, it, it's interesting. Uh, there was an announcement recently that, that Google uh, is doing away with their internal firewall. You hear about these things like firewalls and security, and to, to preemptively jargon bust myself, you know, companies traditionally set up these things to protect them from hackers, like firewalls and gates and... And I don't know, dragons or whatever, but uh, Google has uh, recently announced that they're giving up on that. They're now going to assume everything is wide open on the Internet because the revelations uh, that uh, Edward Snowden brought about also informed everybody that the NSA was hacking into our data centers. And so we thought we were protected behind our big walls, and it turned out we were corrupt from within. And so there's a new movement now to say, let's assume everything is insecure. So that there are no links, uh, as Jesse's describing, that are the weakest link, because we assume all the links are weak, and we therefore enforce them. Although I will confess I am not optimistic that that is, in fact, going to improve things, because uh, going back to our original thing about um, developers not having time or comprehension, it really, I don't know, even if you assume and you're paranoid, it doesn't mean you can protect yourself against very highly motivated people. And... It's a little bit like, uh, is it fair to say it's like guerrilla warfare in that no matter how organized you are, if they're motivated, they can find some way in? Absolutely. Um, I would say that in most cases, when you see a really big company get honed, it's not going to be someone crossing you know, the internet, finding um, a zero-day exploit market, buying a software vulnerability, and then hacking their way in usually they're going to say, okay, I'm going to send a phishing email. I'm going to send an email with a link that someone's going to click. And that link that they click is actually going to be malware. 
But I know they're going to click the link because I'm going to hide it under the unsubscribe link in the email. So I just tricked them into clicking on the thing that they don't want to click on. And when they oh, click God on it, me. it's going to, when they click on it. I just unsubscribed from like seven threads today. This is just not. This is great because this means I have all your money now. All your money now. <gasps> that's actually how it works though you know we're taught not to engage with some of these emails if they look fishy but sometimes we think hey i might have signed up for that that really weird advertisement that came in i'm just going to unsubscribe and the people who create these things all of the criminals in the background know that we're going to click on the unsubscribe link so that's where they hide the malware Man. And once you click on it, it's in your machine. It's going to be really opportunistic. It's going to do everything it can to get inside of the network that you're in and get as much data out as it can before you notice. So hacking isn't even about the technology. Maybe, and, and as you're saying, as long as there are people in the system, people will be the weakest link. Yep. You don't have to be absolutely brilliant and a complete and total PhD mastermind to do some of the things that we've seen done. I mean, you so, can go and fire up an automated vulnerability scanning tool and you can get your way into a network without even being able to code your way out of Code Academy. Wow, that was some smack talk. That was great. I can't even follow up that, Mike. What do you have to say to that? Bam! Oh, stop. Um, I would I would like to point out that Google and Uber are both making inroads into this. First, they're going to replace all the cars on the road, but then they're going to replace all the people behind the computers. Uh, just for security's purposes, not for any other reason. Just for security purposes, no. Well, speaking yeah. of, they're not well, going to take over the world with robots. You know, in security, we keep talking about virtualization being the future. And we've been saying for years that these firewalls and this network security thing is over. So maybe if we virtualize the drivers of the cars and all of the other Google, maybe we're getting somewhere. I, I, this is a good segue. I, I have, Mike, if you will let me, a series of lightning quick questions for Jesse about things that I have actually seen pitched to me recently. And I want to get her quick. Is it actually secure? So we're going to have a new segment called, Is It Secure? Is it secure? And here we go. Ready? Let's go. Let's go. ConnectX is in the process of launching satellites into orbit where you can actually, instead of storing your, your data on Dropbox, you can store your data on satellites because they are theoretically more secure because they are off-world. Is it secure? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This I is... <laughs> mean, honestly... <laughs> It's a satellite, and just because it's not on the planet doesn't mean that people can't figure out what your elevation angle is and maybe, like, throw some light patterns at it and get some stuff out that they're not supposed to. I, 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 by the way, everything I will tell you right now is a legitimate thing that actually is very serious, so I'm not making any of these up. <laughs> what's what's the cost of a, of a hard drive in freefall? <laughs> it's actually... I think that's, like, three trips to Taco Bell. Three. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. Okay. Um. Uh. A second one. Proton Mail is now uh hosted in the same data centers as uh, Swiss bank accounts, and they claim to encrypt all of your email messages and keep them outside of the arms of the law. Okay. So I have some feelings about this because I just came from a presentation where one of the founders was speaking. Fantastic. And you have the feels. Let me just tell you that he was very quick to point out that their data center in Switzerland actually is literally a bunker in the ground from war times. So that was pretty cool. But I have.
some problems with Proton Mail. I'm not sure if you've heard of this thing called RSA, but it's this publicly available encryption algorithm. Which happens and to be weak. He just happens to base the whole Proton Mail thing on I think RSA. I didn't I didn't even have notes because it wasn't a number that was even cool enough for me to look at. Um, I think and this might be because I, I hang out with too many cryptographers. I think we should probably start moving away from encryption algorithms like RSA. There are things like Axolotl, which comes from Open Whisper Systems, doing some amazing stuff. And we kind of suspect that maybe the NSA can get all up in, in some parts of RSA keys. So let's just not use those anymore. There's other cryptography out there. So sorry, dude. Not cool enough for me. Okay. Your, your crypto is like too well known. Fair enough. Okay, let's Ouch. keep going with is it secure. The August smart lock is a smart a lock that you put in your door instead of a normal lock that you unlock with your phone. Is it secure? No. No, 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 no. If you've ever been to a hacker conference and it is a lock, we have these whole hallways where we lock pick things. And I am just saying that even if it's a smart lock, they will get into it. It's, it's so not happening. I, I have a story. I have a very good friend of mine who happens to be in the armed forces. And he is kind of a sneaky armed forces kind of guy. And one day I was over at his house and he brings out this duffel bag. And this duffel bag probably weighs 75 pounds. And he says, let me show you how to break into every lock that has ever been made. And so he starts pulling out all of these like, you know, like master lock and all these other crazy locks. And he shows me how to break into them with very simple techniques, like um, the little combination locks, you know, the ones with the spinners on them. Yeah. Um, you can actually break into those with the tab off of a soda can where basically you can you 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 have to fold the tab a certain way and then you can insert it into the um the locking mechanism and push the tumbler back and up pops the lock um he and it, he really did like it, it didn't take he would pull out a new lock and he'd show me a method and then all of a sudden i could do it too and it's not that hard to break into real locks they're they're actually not very secure so yeah on the other hand there's been a few incidents in the past year or so where there have been people who make the locks for hotels the really fancy ones where you have a nice right. key card and you tap it to the top and the door opens well i want to say it was maybe two or three years ago there was a security researcher who figured out how to get into any hotel lock anywhere in the world made by this one particular manufacturer and he disclosed the security issue to the manufacturer but they decided not to fix it because it would cost too much money. Except there were cases where people figured out how to exploit this vulnerability, break into hotel rooms, and people were actually, women were, were raped. I mean, people had things stolen from them. And this is an actual issue with a hotel smart lock that happened. Eventually, once the story made its way to the media, it was such a bad incident for the company that they ended up patching the vulnerability but for some people to be able to look at something as important as a door lock that literally ensures your physical safety in the space that you're in and to say oh no it's just a security vulnerability other people won't figure it out whatever and then to have people get hurt that's insane that's absolutely insane that someone would look at a budget sheet and say it's too expensive 
It's it's theoretical. What? Is that the world we really live in? Uh, Apparently. It, 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 I, as a follow-up, I actually... Can I rant for a second about something that's very yeah. relevant? Please, so there's a big, a big security um, of, of Bruja. We, we alluded to it earlier where a security researcher um, said that they were able to actually hack into a plane's control systems through the onboard Wi-Fi. So if you've been on a flight recently, most flights now have onboard Wi-Fi. It's crazy expensive, but if you're expensing it, who cares? And in theory, apparently, you can actually use that connection to hack into the flight control system of the flight, which which sounds crazy, and you're like, oh my god, that's so dangerous, and why would somebody do that, and did he endanger anybody, and all this focus is on the researcher. And I am like, why in hell is the onboard Wi-Fi even remotely reachable to the, the airport airline control? Like, who thought it was okay for yes. the airplane control system to even, like, have a wire that you could reach from the in-flight Wi-Fi, that is ludicrous. Like, why? who would even but occur to you to do that? obviously we should arrest the hacker. What's that? Obviously we should arrest the hacker. Well, it's like, it's essentially the same as saying, okay, we're going to have police cars and we're going to put grates so that anybody sitting in the backseat is secure, but we're also going to put the ignition key in the backseat with the, with the criminals. Like, that's essentially the equivalent of the decision they made there. It's... It's nuts! And of course, everybody focuses on the researcher and how horrible he is. And I'm still back here being like, did anybody pay attention during, like, you know, introduction to common sense? <laughs> well, I think one of the problems we see here is that when people make mistakes in building security for technology, they usually try to blame the end user. Now, in this case, either the researcher is lying and he did not actually make the plane go sideways and he's being a jerk and making pretty much all security researchers look like jerks because he's saying we have this power we can execute haha but really scaring people for no good reason or he's telling the truth and he is still a jerk because he was on a plane that he took control of knowing full well what he could do and endangered all of the lives of people who were on that plane with him both of those scenarios are not cool but the real problem here is that it should have never been possible by any measure of anything on this planet that all of the systems inside of that plane were not air-gapped from one another. There should They should have been separated and segmented and pulled apart and not connected to each other so that you could break into them and do things like that. And yet, we're all yelling about the dude on CNN when there's probably a team of 12 guys who all talked to themselves when they were building this airplane thinking, oh yeah, not a big deal. We don't need to worry about that. Let's just keep going. It'll take too long to rearrange it the other way. What? And this is a known issue. There are papers from 2007 and 2008 talking about how in some of these Boeing systems, there aren't air gaps where there should be. It's 2015. This is still a problem. We knew about it and nobody did anything. We just shipped all of these bajillion dollar airplanes and like didn't for two seconds stop and say, oh, wait, there's a problem. We should probably make sure between version one and version two that we like we go in there and fix it. Nobody could have done anything. Which which really? makes you wonder what, it probably what else would have cost too much money, well, obviously. But it, it makes right? you wonder what else is a haunting out there that we just haven't found yet, you know? Like, you know, what 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 huge security holes exist in something we use every day like these airplanes with their Wi-Fi systems that's just sitting there waiting 
to be exploited. Like, you know, I imagine that somebody's going to figure out, oh, it turns out I have actually hacked the remote unlock of all the cars and the ignitions, and all you download is an app and just press your button to unlock any car. I mean, it makes you worry about the state of the world that there are, there are these security vulnerabilities that we just don't know yet. These O days well, that are ne like yeah. technically negative one days because we don't actually know that they exist yet. I would say in the case of the cars and having the app and you hit the button, that actually recently happened to a technology reporter. Okay, um, now <laughs> I'm getting paranoid. Oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Why don't, we should have done a segment called You Guys Come Up With Crazy Hacking Things, and I tell you whether they've happened or not. All right, Sean, we're going to have a segment. It's called We Come Up With Crazy Hacking Things, and Jesse tells us whether or not it's happened. I, I so would rather first... just get a tinfoil hat and sit in the corner for a while, because that's basically <laughs> what you've reduced me to at this point. So, so Jesse, is anything secure? I mean, to be perfectly honest, nothing ever, 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 ever is going to be 100% secure. Nothing is perfect. Nothing at all. So instead of just using a piece of software or using a piece of technology and putting implicit trust in that thing that it's always going to work the way that you expect, it's probably a better idea to think, okay, what do I need to protect if I'm going to use this piece of technology in this way? Usually what happens, someone signs up for an online account or they buy a machine or they buy a device and without thinking, they click through the terms of service, the licensing agreement, the privacy policy, and don't even look at what they're giving up or ask any questions about what measures are being taken to protect their data or whatever they're doing with that technological piece of stuff. And that's particularly frustrating because as a user, even though you put money into a piece of software or you didn't, maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's free, you still have a responsibility for protecting yourself. For the vast majority of people, and I've seen this research all over the place at work, they just put trust in companies that companies will do the right thing. And that is absolutely the wrong approach. It's not easy to be able to tell if something's secure. It just isn't. There are no magic buttons that light up on your keyboard to tell you that this new app is the most amazing thing on the planet and will do everything it promises. For the most part, you have to put trust in other people. And unless you're actually going to have the skills to go root around in, a, in code and look for software vulnerabilities and double check to make sure something does that it claims it does, you're going to have to figure out other ways to navigate the system that we have right now where you can't really see what's going on underneath the interface of your device and understand what's happening. So this leads us to the most important question. Can we actually trust ourselves? I mean... We're going to have to define trust then. Uh-oh. This is awkward. Uh, so I can't even tell myself my own password anymore. This is going to be rough. I don't... I mean, so we all know that when it comes to security, it is the thing that people do the worst. And it's not just the thing that the average person does the worst. There was a study a couple of years ago talking about the passwords that hackers used for one of the underground dark markets that they like to frequent. And some hackers, the bad kind that wear the masks and the hoodies and stuff that we didn't bring with us tonight, um, those guys, you, some of them had the, the perfect password where it was, you know, 75 characters long and it was unique and random and had all the parts it should. And other guys 
who break into accounts using weak passwords and password crackers all the time still used 123456 and monkey. It's just security is a thing that we all just do really, really horribly. So the way to really look at the problem, I think, is to make sure when we're building technology, the people who are building the technology are making the best choice for the user. And that means in some ways that if you are building something, usability is a security problem. That sounds really smart. And my friend Christine Corbett just said it a couple of hours ago um, at a talk about the future of security. But we have to think about how usable we make these tools so that it's really hard to mess up. And just in terms of the back end, especially with simple stuff like passwords, like we have all of these free open source tools and libraries and awesome things out there that some of the smartest people who are alive on our planet right now have decided to come together and build for free. A whole bunch of guys who are really good at code come together and say, I have an idea and it's gonna make it really hard for people to attack passwords. Let's call it Bcrypt. Let's make it open source so anyone can volunteer their time and help us make it super strong and see what happens. And for whatever reason, Despite the fact that we have these amazing tools that are out there and they don't cost anything to use, they can be audited, they can be looked at, and they can even be modified in some cases to fit a particular technology case. Even though we have this, we still have people turning around and saying, no, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna encrypt my password database. I'm gonna leave them in plain text or even worse. Oh, well, I hashed my passwords but I hashed them with MD5. And for anyone who doesn't know what that MD5 thing is, it's a lie. It doesn't actually hash things at all. You might as well just have all of your, your passwords or whatever text you're trying to protect in plain text so everybody can read it. And all I have to add to that, by the way, is uh, nothing goes better with your password crackers than some nice aged cheddar. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we will, we will transition. transition. <laughs> Hold on. I need a moment. <laughs> I bring the maturity to the podcast. I just like to point that out. Uh, uh, <laughs> and on that note, we're going to segue into the top that's the part of the podcast that we like to call Tech Topic Overload. Tech Topic Overload. And if you have never listened to the podcast, and we don't understand why you would have never listened to the podcast before, you should know what Tech Topic Overload is. But just in case you don't, I'm going to tell you. Tech Topic Overload is the segment wherein your host, the three of us, will pick a topic from this week or the last two weeks or the last month. And we will rant about it, or we will talk about it, or we will do whatever we want to do with it. Um, we will be limited to about two minutes per topic, and it will keep you informed about what is going on in the world today in tech. So, uh, Sean, I'm going to give you the first go at it today. Excellent. Well, apropos to our conversation, I like to rant about something that is technically nobody's fault but always frustrates me, and it's apropos to our conversation, which is that if you use open source software on the Internet, all open source software has security vulnerabilities. I will use WordPress as a scapegoat because they really make me angry. Uh, the minute somebody finds an issue with this, they are very good. They immediately issue a patch 
that you can there install on your, your open source software to fix the security vulnerability. The problem is because it's open source and they publish the patch, in publishing the patch they're advertising exactly what the vulnerability is. And people are just not good about patching things immediately, which basically means if you are a hacker, all you need to do is wait for the next security patch to come out, create an exploit, and start attacking services that haven't yet upgraded because their people are either lazy or didn't upgrade them. I don't actually think it's anybody's fault because I can't expect people using the software to, to update the software every day, and I don't think there's anything else that the open source community could really do other than issue patches when they come up. It's just frustrating that it actually has made it super easy. If you want to be a hacker, I don't actually have to work very hard. I just wait for a patch to come out, and I just exploit it on servers that haven't been updated yet because not everybody can update things all day, every day. And so my rant is uh, non-specific. I just had to see, seen this happen in WordPress repeatedly, but other open source software has the same problem. It's just really frustrating. Uh, and hopefully at some point we will find a better way. There you go. All right. Um, I will go next. Um, I, I do not have a rant or anything else except for the fact that Uber has completely taken over the Carnegie Mellon University Robotics Lab. Um, it has recently come to light that they have effectively hired away. Uh, so there's a, 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 a robotics lab that's very well known at CMU called INREC, I believe, in REC. And uh, Uber basically just bought it. And they're using 50, there's like 150 folks that work there. They're using uh, 50 to 75 people from INREC to build their self-driving cars. And it's uh, Carnegie Mellon is really cool with it. And the people that got bought are really cool with it. And um, hey man, if you're going to uh, try to leapfrog the competition and if you're a little bit behind, why not go buy the minds of the smartest university, one of the smartest universities uh, in America? Sure, go for it. All right. And now, Jesse, take us out. So what is your rant today? I have a rant and it's not super, super topical. But I have a really huge bone to pick with how we all, the media, the security people, how we talk about software vulnerabilities. I love watching bug bounty programs and I love seeing some of these big security holes that people find and that get closed. But I am so tired of seeing hacker could have removed every photo from Facebook. Rah! Because what happens is that the average person sees this story that all of their pictures on Facebook could have been deleted because of one guy somewhere on the internet, and they freak out. And this idea that, oh my God, the hackers are out there, there's nothing I can do, just keeps getting perpetuated through the media and through just discussing security vulnerabilities in that way. It drives me nuts. I am so tired of hearing the sky is falling. When what actually happened is that Facebook or whatever company, whether it's Yahoo, whether it's Google, whoever, they had a system where they said, all right, we know there are security vulnerabilities in our software. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna open up a channel just for security researchers to tell us about the holes they find. And then we're gonna fix them. The story is not what could have happened, where all of the pictures could have gotten blown off of Facebook and we all would have lost all of our french fries and all of our hot Doritos and all of the other things on the planet we love. The story is there is a really big security hole and these really awesome guys who like nothing and girls who like 
nothing more on this planet than to find security bugs and hunt them down, found it, help us fix it, and your pictures are safe. That's the story, and that's the story we need to be telling. We need to stop with this sky is falling, the whole internet is breaking, all of your everything is going away and getting blown up forever. Because it's exhausting, it gets us nowhere, and especially in terms of security, it gets us in trouble. For no better reason than people don't understand the power that we have by knowing how to find and close holes, and they get scared of it, and then they try to take our right to use that power away. It's not okay. So could we maybe not talk about all of these bug bounty finds in a way that makes it sound like the whole internet's exploding all the time? Because even if it is, that doesn't help how people feel about technology and how people feel about securing themselves. Very well put, very well put. So Jesse, tell us, how can people reach you? How can they, how can they find you? Where can they find so you? So the best way to reach me is probably gonna be Twitter. I don't know what they put in that Twitter thing, but I'm Jesse Soros Rex, Jesse with the Y, and then the other part is spelled like Tyrannosaurus Rex, but you take the Tyrannosaurus off the front. Anyway, easiest place is Twitter. It takes probably no more than an hour to hear back from me if it's not too busy of a day. I respond to my tweets better than I respond to my email. Very good. Um, I, I can, in fact, uh, vouch for that <laughs> as... I, I, I'm not even sure how I started following you. Somebody retweeted something you tweeted and I started following and it was pretty funny. And then like a year later, you're on the podcast. So very good. All Twitter. She's very responsive. And very if good. anybody All is Twitter. curious, by the way, if next week's show is a little bit late, what has actually happened is we actually just lit the, uh, the cabin on fire. We are burning it to the ground because we were so freaked out about what's going on. <laughs> Mike and I are going to actually live in a cave in the woods for a while until things like calm down. And once we're all, all of a sudden feeling secure again, you may hear from us. Very good. Now, Sean, that does bring us to our, our sponsor for this week. And in fact, our sponsor for this week, you know, we're all about native advertising here on Tech Moonshine, and you may not have realized it, but you've been advertised against this entire show. Our sponsor this week is Hot Doritos. And Hot Doritos are the new type of Doritos that are hot in their Doritos. And do we really need to say anything else? I mean, Cool Ranch was awesome, but Hot Doritos are better. So with that, we would like to bid you adieu. May you have a wonderful evening, afternoon, morning, whatever the time of day may be that you're listening to the podcast. Thank you, and have a good day. Thanks for joining us for Tech Moonshine. You can continue the conversation on Twitter using the at Tech Moonshine account, or find us on the web at techmoonshine.com. You can also chat with Mike and I directly. Mike's on Twitter as Rollins.io, and I'm on Twitter as S. Burns. Special thanks to Jeff Holtzinger, our banjo picker, and his track Bent Nails, which you heard at the beginning of the podcast. You can find him on SoundCloud using the username Jeff on the Banjo. Please join us next week for more 200 Proof Truth about tech.